Aren't you thankful for the Lord this morning? Your lives have been changed, right? You're no longer the same. If you know the Lord, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God. And we thank God for His goodness in our lives. Let's take our Bibles and turn, please, to 1 Kings chapter number 22. The final chapter here of this particular book of the Bible. Over the last several weeks, just a healthy reminder, uh, we have been studying the lives of Elijah and Elisha, the great prophets of God. And we're certainly... Uh, some of the, the most exciting stories in all of the Old Testament uh, can be traced to the lives of these two men. Uh, I guess if I was to identify with one of these two prophets, I would identify with Elisha. For the simple fact that he was a bald man. And, uh, you know, here I am. I don't have a lot of hair. I tell people to not pick on me because I'm bald. Because when the kids came out and picked on Elisha because he was bald, he had a bear come out of the woods and eat them. And uh, so you don't want to mess with bald guys. I'm just telling you. You just never know. But uh, we thank God for His Word this morning. And uh, of course, it's power, it's practicality. But of, above all things, we thank God for His truth. And uh, we're thankful for the Word of God today and the power that it has uh, on our lives. And of course, God changes our lives. And we're very grateful uh, for the effect of God's Word on our lives. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And as we come to the Word of God this morning, we come to this closing chapter of the book of 1 Kings. And ironically, it does not talk about Elijah or Elisha. Of course, many things have taken place in the, in the, in the nation of Israel. Of course, God had wrought a great victory in the top of Mount Carmel as Elijah prayed and, and, and prayed fire down from heaven, from God, consumed the altar, and the children of Israel, with a resounding voice, affirmed that the Lord, He is the God, the Lord, He is the God. Uh, Elijah, in his uh, depression and his discouragement, fled to Horeb, where God had met him there, and passed by and, and had given him instructions. And one of those bits of instruction was to go and, and ordain uh, Elisha to be prophet in his room. And uh, after that, something, te something terrible took place in Israel. Uh, many of us understand that, that, that Ahab and Jezebel were not good people, right? They were awful people. They were wicked. And there was much war, much fighting, and they were fighting against the Syrians. And... and, and and Ahab went back to his palace, and right near his palace, there was a vineyard. There was a vineyard of a man named Naboth. And, and he went and he tried to purchase that vineyard from Naboth, or, or give him a fair trade for it, but it was Naboth's inheritance. And he would, not, he would not let it go, not even to the king. The Bible says to forsake not the, the ancient landmarks. And this man, he, he was not going to forsake the inheritance that, that God had given his family Tragically, however, Ahab went home and he pouted, and he sulked, and he laid down in his bed, he wouldn't get up, he wouldn't eat, he wouldn't drink, you know, he, he put on a big show. And his wife Jezebel came in and, and, and inquired what was wrong, and he told her that Naboth was mean and wouldn't give him his vineyard. And so she said, don't worry about it, mama's going to take care of it. And she did. 
And she went and she, she, had, she had this big plot, this big scheme, and she condemned Naboth to death. And Ahab went and seized upon the inheritance. What a great guy, right? What a, what a lovely couple. Terrible. But now we find ourselves another tragic circumstance. You see, Ahab, the king of Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel, was not like Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel. Not all of Judah's kings were good, but none of Israel's kings were good. They were all wicked. They were all terrible. And in this season of rest that Israel had from fighting with the Syrians, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came, uh, uh, went, uh, uh, went, went up to, to Samaria and tried to affirm a friendship with Ahab. And really they were going to go and fight against Ramoth-Gilead because Ramoth-Gilead belonged to Israel. But the Syrians had come in, they had occupied it, and in, for three years they had not war, they had not fought, but they wanted their possession back. Well, Jehoshaphat foolishly did not understand the differences. How many of you know with a raised hand that things that are different are not the same? Right? That's pretty, pretty simple, right? Things that are different are not the same. Well, Jehoshaphat said, I am as thou art, my people is thy people. No, that's not the same. You know, he under, you know, understanding that, yes, they are all Israelites, they are all the offspring of Abraham, but they were not the same. And they, and they made an affinity, and they went to battle together. But in 1 Kings chapter 22, if you're able, I invite you to stand with me. We're going to read the opening statements of this, because in the midst of all of this story, in the midst of this tragedy, you see, in the, Ahab dies with all of this. And Jehoshaphat is almost killed. And he, 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 he cries out and, and, and runs for fear. But the Syrians, they, they, they couldn't have cared less about Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. The only person they wanted to kill was Ahab. But in the midst of all of this, they're seeking God's leadership, supposedly. And Jehoshaphat asks for a prophet of God. And they bring these, these people together, these 400 prophets, and all of them with, with one answer, give consent, and they all say, you know, we're going to go up, we're going to win this battle, we're going to win this war, we're going to take back this city. 400! All one answer. But Jehoshaphat asks for someone else. I hear what they say, but is there yet a prophet of God besides? And in the midst of the stories of, of, of Elijah and Elisha, we find a brief record of a man by the name of Micaiah, the prophet of God. Notice what the Bible says, beginning in verse number 1. Of 1 Kings chapter 22, the Bible says, And they continued three years without war between Syria and Israel. And it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down uh, to, uh, to the king of Israel. And uh, the king of Israel said unto his servants, Hey, just, just pause here for a second. You say it came, he came down. 
whenever someone leaves the city of Jerusalem, they come down. Israel is the northern kingdom. You would think, well, how did he come down? He came down from Mount Zion. They go up to Jerusalem. They go down from Jerusalem. That's why we read that in the Word of God. Look what the Bible says in verse 3. It says, And the king of Israel said unto his servants, Know ye that Ramoth and Gilead is ours, and we be still, and take it not out of the hand of the king of Syria. And he said unto Jehoshaphat, Wilt thou go with me to battle in Ramoth-Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as thou art, my people as thy people, my horses as thy horses. And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men. These prophets were not the prophets of God. And said unto them, Shall I go against Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides, that we might inquire of him? And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. For he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Hasten hither Micaiah the son of Imlah. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat the king of Judah sat each on his throne, having put on their robes in a void place in the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah the son of, of Chenana uh, made him horns of iron, and said, Thus saith the Lord, With these shalt thou push the Assyrians uh, until thou have consumed them. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it unto the king's hand. And the messenger that was gone to call Micaiah spake unto him, saying, Behold now, the words of the prophets declare good unto the king with one mouth. Let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of one of them, and speak that which is good. And Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, what the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. Father, we thank you for the word of God this morning. And Lord, we pray today that you'd bless the reading of your word, that you'd bless the preaching of your word. God, that you'd give us clarity and help this morning as we come to the Word of God. That you'd speak to us collectively, Lord, as a church, but Lord, even more so individually. Lord, we ask that you would do a dynamic work in the hearts of each of us today. That we would understand what your will is for our lives and what the mission is that you've given to us. The responsibility that we have to you. And so, God, we pray for your power today, your help. Help me, Lord, speak today with clarity and simplicity. Lord, we pray that you would be glorified in this time, that you would draw your people to yourself. And, Lord, if there, again, if there's anyone here today that does not know the Lord, we pray that today they would be saved. But, God, we love you, and we pray for your blessing upon this preaching time. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention to what the Bible says in verse number 8 concerning the man 
Micaiah. Of course, Jehoshaphat, he said, hey, we need to, we need to talk to this man. And, and Ahab, he, he says, there is yet one man. Would you mark that statement there in your Bible? There is yet one man. There is yet one man. Of all the voices in the world today, there was only one. Of all the voices that, that stood around the, the king's thrones and, and prophesied and spake and, and advised, there was yet one. Christians, this morning I ask the question, will you be that one? Consider all the voices in the world today. Uh, I was talking with someone earlier today just about uh, this, the, the, the craziness that is in the world today. There are so many voices, and none of the voices are voices of truth. They're voices of propaganda. They're voices of lies. They're, they're voices of falsehoods and deception. They're, they're devious. They're destructive. But there is one voice that matters, and it's the voice of God. And I'm thankful that you and I have the Word of God. And as we read the Word of God, we are, we are encouraged, we are exhorted, we are uh, propelled forward in our faith to be the one. Well, there, there's much to say about Micaiah. As quickly as he comes upon the page of Scripture, he's, he's, he's taken off the page of Scripture. But God used him mightily as an example for us all. But as I consider this, this, this statement, there is yet one. I'm reminded of what the Bible says in the book of Ezekiel. Will you turn with me please to the book of Ezekiel? Chapter number 22. Ezekiel chapter number 22. Christians, the Lord is still seeking today. Do you realize that? The Bible tells us that God is seeking true worshipers. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. In, in the book of John, in chapter number 4, but God is searching for His people to stand and do something. There is, there is a void in, in the world today. On the pay, uh, you can turn on your television, you can browse the internet, and it seems that everything agrees, doesn't it? Isn't there a problem with that? You know, not to be, not to digress into politics, but if you, if you look at the news outlets today, CNN, right, their ratings are awful. But do you know what has happened? This and it is fake news. It's false news. But even mainstream right-wing news, you know, you really can't even trust what's on Fox News anymore, which used to be the herald of all right-wing conservatism. Do you know what is taking place? They're, they're, bringing, they're trying to bring about a synthesis of thought. And when all of the voices agree, there's a problem. I was talking to a man this week uh, at the booth, and I was we were trying to share the gospel with him. He's a Seventh-day Adventist. And, and uh, he's like, I'm a free thinker. And I handed him a, a, a John Romans. I said, well, here's something to think about. 
You know, you need to think about this. Ask God. Seek the Lord for truth, you know. But there's a void of truth. In the, in the Old Testament, the Lord calls us to be watchmen. To sound the trumpet. There's a, there's a, the, the voice of God's people ought to have a distinct sound. When you hear a trumpet, you know it's a trumpet. My son is learning how to play the trumpet. Trust me, we know what a trumpet sounds like. Right? We know what a trumpet sounds like. It has a distinct sound to it. It doesn't sound like a tuba. It doesn't sound like a trombone. Our other son plays a clarinet. It doesn't sound like a clarinet. It doesn't sound like a saxophone. Uh, one of our sons is going to learn how to play the violin. It doesn't sound at all like a violin. It doesn't sound like the recorders that our other boys play. It has a distinct sound. Christian, you and I, as we live our lives, ought to be that one that has the distinct sound. See, Ahab hated Micaiah. Why? Because he had a distinct sound. He didn't sound like the rest of everybody else. He was distinctly different. And in Ezekiel chapter 22, we find a very uh, famous passage of Scripture, one that uh, is referred to often. But look what the Bible says, beginning in verse number 23. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying... So this is the conversation that God is having with the prophet Ezekiel. And the Bible says in verse number 24, Son of man, say unto her, Thou art the land that is not cleansed, nor reigned upon in the day of indignation. There's no blessing. There's no prosperity. Uh, there's, uh, there's, there's a drought. There's a famine. It's dirty. It's wicked. It's defiled. The Bible says in verse number 25, and note this word, it says there is a conspiracy. Would you mark that word conspiracy? You know what that word conspiracy means? It means that it, is, there is, it's a, it's, it points to a treasonous act. The, the priests of God, the God's people says, there is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof. These, these who stand before people, the people of God, and supposedly are proclaiming the word of God, are not. There's a conspiracy. They are committing treason. Why? Because they are not preaching the word of God. We look around Christianity today, and, and there is a conspiracy amongst her preachers, amongst her pastors of, of different local churches. Why? Because they are not preaching the Word of God. I was accused this week of, of leading a cult <laughs> by someone who knows better, might I say. Am I leading a cult? I was accused of not preaching the Bible. Okay. Christians, it's foolishness. There's a conspiracy. There's treason taking place against the high king of heaven. Against almighty God. Because we are now preaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Because we have taken the world's system rebranded it, put some Christian lingo to it, and call it right. 
look what the Bible says uh, still here in, remaining in, in Ezekiel chapter 22. It says, There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof. Like a roaring lion ravening the prey, they devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law and have pro, have profaned my holy things. And notice, notice here in verse number 26, mark this statement in your Bible. Why do we worship God the way we do? Why don't we allow, not because I'm just ornery and cantankerous and stubborn, there's a biblical principle here for why we do things the way we do them. And the Bible says, look, there was a failure here by the priests of God. It says they have uh, put no difference between the holy and profane. Do you realize that there is a difference between the things of God and the things of this world? Things that are different are not the same. And what we do is say, well, I can play all of this grunge rock and roll and and put some... some, I'm sorry. But the guy Skillet, I'm not listening to that dude. Why? Well, Skillet, I mean, first of all, his name is corny. I don't want anything to do with that, right? It's ridiculous. But Christian, we don't understand. I could share things with you this morning that would blow your mind. The deceit, the wickedness, the Eastern mysticisms and religion, the attempt by the world, by the devil, to infiltrate the local church and to make it something God never intended for it to be. It would blow your mind. There is a difference between the holy and the profane. And the Bible says, says, neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean, and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. See, her princes in the midst thereof, like wolves, ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls, to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and, and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord, when the Lord hath not spoken. It says, The people of the land have used oppression and exercise robbery, and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. We come to a very special verse. In verse number 30. Would you mark this verse in your Bible? This is God speaking to Ezekiel. This is God talking, and he says, And I sought for a man among them that I should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me in the land, that I should not destroy it. And then perhaps the saddest expression, but I found none. Therefore, have I poured out my indignation upon them, I have consumed them, with the fire of my wrath, their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge. 
What is the purpose of this hedge? The hedge was to keep the wolves out. You remember the Lord Jesus Christ, who's in John chapter 10, said he's the door. He's the door to the sheep. So there's a sheepfold. There was one way in, one way out, but they were surrounded by a wall. A wall of what? It was a hedge. What comprised this hedge? Well, it was a bunch of thorns, a bunch of sharp pointed objects. You know, how many of you have ever spent any time in the woods and found yourselves in the midst of briars? It's pretty unpleasant, isn't it? Catching all over your clothes, snagging your clothes, ripping your clothes. It's not pleasant. But it's this hedge, the, those sharp, thorny, uh, this vegetation is what is used to keep out the predators, to protect the sheep. Because all these other shepherds are hirelings. And they're not going to protect the sheep. That's why God is looking for someone. He says, and I sought for a man among them. And the question that we have again this morning, will you be that one? Will you be the one who stands in, in that, that should stand in the gap and stand in, uh, before the Lord in the land that should make up that hedge that will be the voice in a society that is digressing more and more each day? that is going further and further away from God. What does it take? What does it take to be that man? If we look back in 1 Kings chapter 22, in verse 7, Jehoshaphat said, is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides? And Ahab answered, There is yet a man, Micaiah. What does it take to truly affect change in a society? It takes God. You can study American history, and you find just prior to the American Revolution, our, the colonies were in disarray. There was, I, I mean, there was, they were idolatrous. They were prospering, they, they were, it was just drunkenness. But something happened. You know what it was? It's called the Great Awakening. And on the heels of the Great Awakening, the American Revolution took place. God used His people, His preachers, His faithful ministers, those who had boldness to proclaim the truth, such as George Whitfield and men, great men like that, to preach and to stir the hearts of Bring people back to God. Will you be a voice? Near the end of the 1800s, there was a man by the name of D.L. Moody who lived, who served the Lord, who was used greatly by God. 
And D.L. Moody made this statement. He said, The world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. But by God's help, I aim to be that man. And as a result of D.L. Moody's surrender to God, millions of people around the globe came to know the Lord as their Savior. Hundreds of thousands of people were surrendered their lives to serve the Lord in full-time ministry, evangelism, and missions. Incredible. It's been said of D.L. Moody that he took two continents, one in each hand, North America and Europe, and shook them for God. It was on the heels of this man's ministry that, that men such as R.A. Torrey came to the forefront. Used greatly by the Lord to stand for truth in the midst of a degrading society. What does it take? What does it take to be a man like Micaiah? What does it take to be one who stands in that uh, stands in the gap before the Lord and the land? Would you write these three things down this morning? The first is this. If we're going to be that man, we must swear our allegiance to God and His Word. Swear your allegiance to God and His Word. If you look back in 2 Kings chapter number 20, I'm sorry, 1 Kings chapter 22, the Bible says in verse 14, and Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth. What the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. He was just told to prophesy only good things. Hey, Micaiah, I, I know your reputation, man. All right. Let's just make this easy on everybody. See, Zedekiah and these 399 other guys, they're all saying the same thing. Don't be a troublemaker. Just prophesy good. Just agree with them. I'm here to tell you this morning, you'll never go wrong when you agree with God. You'll go wrong when you agree with what the world says because the world, the Bible says, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You'll never go wrong when you agree with God. But you have to come to the point in your life where you swear your allegiance to God and His Word. What matters most? God and His Word matter the most. I'm reminded of a story in the New Testament. In the book of Acts, in Acts chapter number 5. Would you turn there quickly, please? Acts chapter number 5. We find the story of the apostles who are imprisoned for preaching the Word of God. The people, the priests, didn't want to hear it. They wanted to silence them. The Bible says in verse 27 of Acts chapter number 5, And, and when they brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? Now, speaking of the name of Jesus Christ, they're standing in the temple, they're teaching the people. Many people are turning from Judaism, from the works of the law, unto Jesus Christ. 
And the priests are worried. They're angry. So they seize them, they beat them, and now they've brought them to the council and say, listen, didn't you listen the first time? Were we not clear? And the Bible says, and behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. That's what we intend to do here. But it's not our doctrine. It's the doctrine of Jesus Christ. The apostles' doctrine. It's the word of God. And if we're, we're condemned with that, hey, praise the Lord. Mission accomplished. Right? And intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then, notice in verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Listen, we've got to come to the point in our lives where the only thing that matters is God and His Word. The world cannot change your life for the good. As a matter of fact, we look back in Romans chapter number 12, a familiar passage of Scripture. The world will change you. I made the statement to someone this week. They were talking, we were talking, had a conversation about the Lord, and they said they started to talk about bad things in our lives. I said, hold on a minute. Hold on just a second. I said, I have I've had many bad things happen in my life. But none of them were from the hand of God. So all the problems that I have faced in my life are traceable to myself or the sin of somebody else, but not of God. Because every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Right? God has never failed you. God will never do you wrong. It's only the Lord. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, And be not conformed to this world. There's a, there's, a, there's a conforming that will take place if we're not careful. We'll be more and more like the world rather than more like our Savior. But we're instructed saying, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, verse 2. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I don't want to be conformed. I don't want to be like this world. But the messenger... Who was the officer who was sent to, to fetch Micaiah? He was saying, Listen, Micaiah, be conformed. You're not going to win friends and influence people by all the time disagreeing with everybody. Our influence comes from God. Do you really think? that all these people who say the same thing have a lot of influence? I don't really believe they do. Because they're all cookie cutters. They don't think for themselves. They read a book and they allow the author of some secular book to think for them. Friends, what we must do is we must swear our allegiance to God and His Word. Notice the second thing we must do. Look back with me, please, in 1 Kings or, uh, chapter number 22. We must see the world with the eyes of Christ. Look what the Bible says in verse number 15. So he came to the king, and the king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go against Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall we forbear? 
And he answered him, Go and prosper. For the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And the king said unto him, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? Ahab knew. The king knew. But look what the Bible says in verse 17. And he, speaking of Micaiah, said, I saw Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd. As sheep that have not a shepherd. Does that sound familiar? Hold your place here and look what the Bible says in Matthew chapter number 9. How did Jesus see the world? How did Jesus see his people? In Matthew chapter number 9, the Bible says in verse 36, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Do you think that Micaiah wanted to say what God told him to say? No. But I believe when Micaiah saw the nation of Israel, how they would be scattered upon the hills as sheep without a shepherd, I believe his heart was broken. Do we see people... All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Christians, do we not see how scattered the world is? There's a great desire for unification. But in this attempt, the sheep are only becoming more scattered. Because they're not, they don't have a true shepherd. Does it break your heart? Micaiah, he, he said, you know what, I see... I see, I see all, all of your armies scattered upon the hills. There's no leader. There's no shepherd. There's no direction. There's no unity. There's no blessing. Christians, if we're going to be the one, if we're going to be that voice, if we're going to be like Micaiah, we need to see the world as Christ sees the world. Moved with compassion. Look what else it says here. It says, And the Lord said that these have no master. Let them return every man uh, to, his, uh, to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, Didn't I not tell thee that he would prophesy no good concerning me but evil? And he said, Hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab? Who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one said, On this manner. And another said, On that manner. In verse 21, the Bible says, And there came forth a spirit. A spirit, not the spirit. There's a, this is a different spirit. This is not the spirit of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist. It said, and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade them. The Lord said unto him, wherewith 
And he said, I will go forth and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. The 400 that he gathered, they were all lying spirits. And it's sad. And these lying spirits help scatter the people. Christian, there's a great need for truth today. We, ought, we must be the voice of truth. Notice lastly, this morning, we must surrender our outcome to God. If you're going to be the one, you must surrender your outcome to God. What's the cost? What will it cost you to stand for truth? What will it cost you to stand for right? When you determine that cost, you ask yourself the question, Lord, are you worthy? God is worthy of it. Isn't he? Serving the Lord is worthy of whatever cost comes our way. In verse 26, the Bible says, And the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and carry him back unto Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus saith the king, Put this fellow in the prison, and feed him with bread of affliction and with water of affliction until I come in peace. But in verse 28, the Bible says, And Micaiah said, If thou return at all in peace, the Lord hath not spoken by me. What a bold man. He was cast into prison. Do you know who else was cast into a prison? The prophet Jeremiah. As Nebuchadnezzar laid siege to Jerusalem, they threw him down in the pit. And the Bible says that he, that he sank down into the mire. But Christian, when you submit your way to the Lord, when you surrender your outcome to God, He's able to pull you up out of that miry pit and set your feet upon a rock and establish your going. Christian, understand that God is able and He's worthy of it all. Listen to the testimony of the Apostle Paul. Turn quickly, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. Paul suffered. Paul served faithfully. And the Bible says in, in chapter 11, verse 23, well, let's begin in verse, 20, verse 22. He says, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am, I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes above measure. That's not like stripes of commendation. These are stripes that were received on his back by a whip and a cat of nine tails. In stripes, more abundant. Oh, I'm sorry, above measure. In prison, more frequent. In, in deaths, oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, saved one. Thrice was I 
beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils by mine own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. Peril. That's not a fluffy term. Threats of his life. Threats to the loss of his life. He says, In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. But what was his conclusion? In Acts chapter 20, Paul concluded saying this in verse 24. He said, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I may finish, might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He said, it didn't matter. Because so long as he lived, he was going to live for God. Come what may. He surrendered his outcome to God. Christians, will you surrender your lives to the Lord? Will you be the one? We've got to count the cost. We must seek the Lord. But we must swear our allegiance to God and His Word. We must see the world as Christ sees the world. We must surrender our outcome to God. We're the Lord's, aren't we? Is He not worthy? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed...